it's good to be together again. Welcome uh, back or here or whatever. Uh, it's uh, good, good to, to be, uh, yeah, just together to celebrate God's goodness and uh, to, <coughs> to learn, to spend time together, to kind of, and afterwards, let's you know, use the opportunity to interact, to get to know each other a little bit better. And, and just to talk about, yeah, what we're learning, what we're hearing, what, what God might be doing or what our, our questions might be. So what are we doing? We're, we're looking today at the uh, vision uh, of Portsmouth Church. And as uh, Margaret very kind of uh, helpfully did, where are the great exercises there? You know, we were talking about growing up to God. What does that mean? We were looking at that two weeks ago. Then last week we were talking about the, and thinking about what it means to be growing together you know, into a community that loves God. And, and this week we're, we're looking at this, um, the vision, our vision to be growing out. That might be a bit small, but I deliberately took it straight off the website. If you want to find out more about it, just go on the website, click on who we are, and there you'll find it. And our, our, the third part of our vision is to be growing out into the world, sent by the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus and the reality of the kingdom of God in the Portswood locality, across the city where we live and work and out across the world. A bit long, but it's summed up in the growing out bit, you know, so the whatever it was. What do we do? We're going backwards, weren't we? Or I suppose we should turn around and face the other way and go in that direction. So that's what we're talking about today. So uh, what, what do we just mean then by a vision? When you t- talk about a vision statement or you say, well, this is our vision as a church, uh, you know, you kind of think, well, what's that all about? Well, it's very simple, really, isn't it? It's about, it's about seeing where we're going. It's about what you see. You kind of see that this is the direction you want to be going in. Or you are going in, or maybe you hope you will be going in, or you should be going in. But it's this idea of you're going somewhere. This is where we want to go. This is what we are and where we want to, to kind of be. It's a way of seeing what the future could be. But I do want to stress that, that we do need to be humble about this. You know, just because we write that on our website doesn't mean that it's going to happen, does it? Just because, you know, you, you go away for a few days and do some kind of management training exercise and come, up, come back with a snappy phrase, there's a long way to go before you actually see something like that coming into being. And as believers, we need to be humble about it. We need to be trusting God. We need to be praying about it. We need to be working towards the possibility and knowing a, a kind of vision of where you're going helps in all of those things. More than that, it really helps us too, uh, because on the way into the future, whatever it is, there will be changes, there will be difficulties, there will be pain, there will be struggles, as well as joys and all those other kind of positive things. And if we know where we're going and why, then it perhaps helps us to, to kind of take the hits that come along in, on the road. And it's something that we, we've been thinking each week, really, is that we, we need to be growing together. It is a vision of growing together. It's not just what we do individually. All these ways of growing up towards God, in towards one another, out towards the wider world, this is something we want to do as a whole community of God's people, as, as a church, uh, a local church. They're corporate. Now, everyone... Just everyone has vision statements, don't they? I don't know when it started. When I went to school, 
Uh, I don't think we went into the school, and in the lobby of the school, it didn't say, uh, Denmark Road Infant School Cows, a place where corkhead kids can flourish. Do you know what a corkhead is? A corkhead is someone who's born on the Isle of Wight, in case you didn't know that. It's K-C-A-U-L-K, not C-O-R-K. Anyway, it didn't say anything like that. It was just your school. You just went there. It didn't have a vision. It just, it just educated you as kids. But now you go to the doctors, you go to the council, you go, wherever you go, there's this vision on the wall. Some of them, uh, you know, as I said before, executives go off on a, a couple of days with a management consultant for which they pay thousands of pounds and come back with a snappy phrase and, and then that's it. And some of them are a bit over the top, aren't they? Some of them are far too complicated. Some of them are just kind of uh, far too clever, really, for the sake of it. Some of them bear absolutely no resemblance to reality. Try this one. Bit of a, a bit of a light, light break, I suppose, although we've only just got started. So. Here's one. To, to help make every brand more inspiring and the world, the world, has, uh, uh, more intelligent. Every brand more inspiring and the whole world more intelligent. You know, who's, anyone know the company of that? It's, uh, their second name is Denison. Their first name is Avery. They make sticky labels. Wow, that's quite a vision. So by making those Avery sticky labels you can get on your computer, the world, the whole world is going to become more intelligent. Here's a few. These, these are a bit spoof, really. Oh, I've put that. I've done that one. Right. Can you see that? To manifest excellence beyond a paradigm of betterment with magnitude for implementation of property and cohesion and with coalescence and diversity of purpose steadfast, bounded only by our, our prescience and predestination as we gloriously emanate eminence for the divine unified triumph towards quintessential destiny. Phew. So the guy says, I'm not satisfied with the new mission statement. I can still understand part of it. Here's a lovely one, I think. Burnout was our greatest challenge until we changed our mission statement. Chill, that's a good one. And here's a bit more uh, honest one. Talk about sports and do just enough work to keep from getting fired. And I love, this is my favorite. That's our mission statement. We wrote it the same day we switched to to decaf. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Well, here's the thing then. Where does our mission statement come from? Is it right for a church to have one? Are we just in danger of trying to be like a really cool company? You know, where market capitalism starts to mold us like it's molded every other part of our society since the late 1970s. Is that really what it's about? You know, is, is the vision to be growing three ways just because we want to be something or want to be a really cool church or, or does it actually come from somewhere? other than the imagination of the elders and the leadership team and a consultant. We didn't have a consultant, by the way, but we have had some help from a group called Lead Academy, but that's another story. Now, for us, as a a church that wants to be shaped by God's word, filled with God's spirit, with Jesus at the center, we want to align everything we do with God's word, don't we? We want to align everything we do and want to be around what we know Jesus wants. What what we know of how Jesus works in people and community. So we're looking at the Bible here. So I I want us to get the idea, as we've seen in the last two weeks, and this one too, 
it's not just about growth, you know, like companies want to grow. This comes from God because it's in his word. Here's a phrase from God's word in 1 Corinthians 3. It actually says there, the Apostle Paul writing, God gives the growth. And he's been talking about the the growth in in the size of the new believers in the Corinth community, a church uh, that that the Apostle Paul writes to in the New Testament. God gives growth. We had this last uh, last week. Lou reminded us of, of this last week. Remember, Jesus' promise to his disciples was that I will build my church, he said in Matthew 16, verse 18. And then look at those last words Jesus left with his disciples right before he, he, he kind of said goodbye to them after the resurrection. Go and make disciples of all nations, he said. And, and he get, goes into more details. But surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's Jesus' scope for it, isn't it? He wants the disciples to make uh, other disciples of every people group. Every part of the world is in Jesus' mind when he says these words. That's what he anticipated. That's what he expected. And it's ongoing. When does it stop? To the very end of the age. Jesus wasn't just talking about what those 11 guys left and the others who would join them would do. No, he has in mind every generation of disciples since. Making disciples all over the world. Growing outwardly. It's in Jesus' heart. It's what he left us to do. And and his promise is to be with us always in that. So the idea of of growing outwardly, the idea of more people becoming believers... More people in, like becoming believers in Jesus. More people becoming believers in Jesus from everywhere. It's not just a dream of our leadership team, of our elders. It's what Jesus expects of us. It's what he promises. And God is at work in that, as we shall see. So these words of Jesus up there were spoken as he passed the mission on to the 11 disciples that were left and others who were with them at the time. And that's at the end of the Gospels. And the book of Acts, the next book in the New Testament, tells us how that all began to happen. As community of, communities of believers are formed, as people come to know Jesus through the witness of those disciples. And the other New Testament letters, Romans and on through uh, to Revelation in some ways, are, are all addressed to these new communities of believers that existed all around the ancient world as, as the church grew further. It helps them to to be sustained. Now, in the last two weeks, we've been looking at uh, one of those uh, New Testament letters, the book of Ephesians, as we've been thinking about growing up and growing in. And that book, Ephesians, we shall see, is written to a particular church, a particular community, but it was meant to be read by lots of others as well, or, or read out to, if not read in kind of book form as we have it now. And we've seen what it means to be growing up towards God and in towards one another from the book of Ephesians. And we're going to stay with the church at Ephesus, with this one actual real community of believers. There's not a lot about how they grew out in the book of Ephesians, but there's actually a bit more we can find from other parts of the New Testament. And today we're going to be looking into what was their experience and seeing what can we learn about how God gives growth in this outward way. I hope it will help us to be inspired and equipped 
to grow in that way. So I want us to look, as it says on the page there, into the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19, which you'll find on page 1115. And we're just going to read from verse 8 now. Page 1115, if you're using the Bible nearby, uh, it should be one nearest you in a seat somewhere. Uh, This is about the Apostle Paul. He's one of the early church leaders. He's come to this town. It is in Ephesus. This is how the Ephesian, the church that this letter we've looked at was written to, how it came into being. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. That's to the Jewish community. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this one day. And then one day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Who said the New Testament was boring, eh? Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who'd practiced sorcery brought their scrolls, scrolls, scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they, value, value, they calculated the value of the scrolls, sorry, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, I'm not going to go into a load of detail on this, but let's just to get the idea. This is where Paul is. He's in the Roman province of Asia. So that's here on this map, if you're looking on that side. Ephesus is there. There's that town. That's where he is. And, and it's a place that had no Christian background. And so he goes to the Jewish community and starts telling them all about Jesus. They resist And so he moves on, and instead of being at the Jewish synagogue, he spends two years every day teaching in a private college. It's like uh, the Hall of Tyrannus. Tyrannus was probably a a teacher who used to teach people. And uh, some manuscripts say that he hired it from 11 o'clock till 4 o'clock. Anyone who's been in the Mediterranean, what happens in in, uh, Turkey and Greece even today between the hours of 11 and 4? Siesta, yeah. So while Tyrannus and his students were having a break, Paul probably hired the hall and started teaching people, talking all about Jesus. He did that for two years. What's he doing? He's explaining the truth about Jesus. But that's not all. In that rather exciting bit there, verse 11 tells us that God does extraordinary miracles through Paul. And there's this strange account Again, I haven't got time to go into a lot of details, but it's fascinating. This area, as you can see, was obviously really into magic and the occult. They were into worshipping this goddess. They believed that all kinds of things happened uh, and were happening indeed. 
And it seems that God did some very unusual, actually Luke says they were extraordinary miracles. They're not just miracles, they are unusual, that made a great deal of sense in that culture, in that community at that time. And, and just God did things, as we see. That doesn't mean that we should follow the same practice now, by the way, but neither does it mean that God can't work that way now either. It's kind of what happened then. God does things. And more than that, there's this really weird incident with the exorcists, aren't there? You know, these Jewish guys were casting out demonic spirits from people, uh, and they do it, and, and then, they're, then they're dramatically overpowered. And it's almost as if the, the evil powers acknowledge the reality of Jesus and Paul's link with Jesus, and everyone, everyone in the whole community knows about it. God does things. That's the point. God does things. Was it? God gives growth. But notice it's actually through Paul. Paul, a person, is involved in it. These are simple things, but we need to hold on to them. Someone following Jesus and telling people the truth about Jesus is involved in how this growth happens. And then verse 17 describes this amazing impact. Everyone in the whole area is aware of Jesus. It says Jesus' name is held in high honor. And the believers realize that Jesus is so great. He has to be the absolute first one in their lives. And there's no room in their lives for Jesus and all their occult, their magic, their superstition, all their kind of you know, valuable um, art, yeah, artifacts and charms and stuff. They, they realize that Jesus is so great. So he, you know, there's, there's no room for anything else beside him. And so they get rid of all this stuff, have a huge bonfire, and it is worth an absolute fortune. I did the maths once. I, someone will probably do it. 50,000 drachmas. 50,000 drachmas is 50,000 days wages. Do the maths. That's a lot of money. So that was the kind of impact that was had on what was going on. And more than that, the whole city is affected, even the local economy. Because if we read on from verse 23, which I won't do because of time, but it's a fascinating story. It tells us all about how this made such an impact. There were these guys in Ephesus who, whose business was to, to make little kind of souvenirs of the, the goddess's temple. And they used to flog them in the market. Again, if you've been on holiday anywhere, you know, you, as always, someone wants to sell you something. Well, these guys were selling silver souvenirs of Ephesus, which was very famous for this goddess's temple. And they were really upset because so many people were becoming Christians that it was affecting their business. And so they got all the kind of union of silversmiths together. It's all here now, And they start a riot. And they, get in, get, they, bring, they, they go into the amphitheater in the town of Ephesus. And you can still see that today. If you've been, anyone been to Ephesus and seen the, the Yeah, Still there, is it? Still there? Yeah. You can go there. And there they were in the place. Uh, thousands of people huge riot won't tell you what happened but the point is the impact is is on the whole city the whole economy and the church is growing outwards the people around them the whole city but not just that look at verse 10 
it says there in verse 10, the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. The whole province of Asia. Well, that the province of Asia, we just saw it on the map, but just so that you can... Can you see that? I'm really sorry. It's not it looked good on my computer, but it's not very good on that, is it? But look, that's the province of Asia. The bit on the left hand, so what's left? That's what west, yeah, the west western side of the map there. It, that's the province of Asia. All those towns around it. So somehow, Jesus became known amongst that whole area. That's growing outward, isn't it? Out of Ephesus. Now, how did that happen then? Well, there's a very important clue, and you find it in another part of the New Testament, in the book of Colossians. So turn with me, please, to the book of Colossians. Now, this is on page, um, I'll give you a page, Colossians chapter 1. If anyone wants to shout it out, if you're there already. 1182, I'll beat you. Right. So 1182. This is actually a letter that's written to people in Colossae. There's Colossae there, see? There's Ephesus. Where's Ephesus gone? There it is. There's Ephesus. There's, there's Colossae. Okay? This is the area. That's the province of Asia. So here's a letter written to a church now in the city of Colossae from Paul the Apostle, who was the one who is in Ephesus. Let's see what it says, what we can learn from it. Colossians 1, verse 2. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf or on your behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So this Christian community in Ephesus, in Colossae rather, in Asia, how did they become believers? Paul later in the letter says he's never seen them. They came, became believers because they heard the gospel from who? A man called Epaphras. He's described by Paul as a fellow servant, a faithful minister on our behalf. Now, experts tell us that they're kind of technical terms for, for being specially linked with Paul. So the chances are then that... Um, Epaphras knew Paul in Ephesus. And Epaphras went from Ephesus for some reason. Maybe it was part of his job. Maybe he moved. Maybe it was part of that. We just don't know. Maybe he was on a kind of formal mission. You know, maybe Paul sent a bunch of people he knew in Ephesus and said, go on, off, off you go. Go and tell other people about Jesus. We don't know. But the chances are that the Colossian believers became believers because the church at Ephesus was growing outwards. So where does this growth come from? Well, again, we hear it here, don't we? It's from the gospel. Paul says, you heard the gospel, the word of truth, the gospel came to them. 
He says, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. He says, this message, this truth about Jesus isn't just some kind of intellectual stuff. Maybe if you've done an alpha or something like that, you, you begin to realize that, that, you know, it starts off as interesting ideas, but it's, it's kind of alive. It kind of, it kind of gets into your life, as it were. And Paul is saying, this good news about Jesus, this gospel, it's bearing fruit. It's alive. It, it, it's growing. It, it, you know what? Jesus told many stories about what the kingdom of God was like. And often he said it was like planting seeds. It was like yeast or, you know, he said, it's kind of growing. It's alive. This message was alive. Remember, I won't, don't need to turn back to it. Remember what we read in Acts 19 verse 20 when it's summed up? Hold of Asia, hear me. It says, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This message, this truth, this good news had kind of life in itself. And the Colossians were experiencing that. But it wasn't just that. This gospel, this truth comes living in a person who tells it to them. Someone, Epaphras. So there's a good news of the gospel that's alive. There are are people who live that and people who share it. We as people have a part to play. That's how God worked then. That's how he works now. Nothing's changed. We haven't reached the end of the age yet, have we? I think we'd know if we had. Just like Jesus said. Just as Jesus promised those who followed him right at the very beginning. So we're moving around a bit in the Bible today, but just one more place I want us to go. Do you remember what happened when Jesus called those fishermen to to follow him? Have a look at Mark chapter 1. It's my last kind of trip on this tour we're on today. If you're new, often we stay in one passage and kind of unpack it. Today, we're a bit more kind of thematic. So Mark 1, page 1002, verse 16. And if you want to see this in all its dramatic splendor, come next Saturday and you'll see it happen in front of your very eyes. Next Saturday, 7 o'clock. Is it 7 o'clock? Yeah, 7 o'clock. 7.30, whenever it is. Oops, anyway. Hold on. I better get this right. 7.30, but come early to get a seat at 7 o'clock. Anyway, let's read it. Where are we? Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Follow me, says Jesus, and I will make you fishers of people. People who follow Jesus, he starts transforming us. He enables us. To share that truth with other people. Maybe in words, maybe through our lives, maybe, 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 all kinds of different ways. But Jesus is, that's his work in us. That's his promise to us as we follow him. 
See, he says, I will make you. See, he does it. Who gives growth? God gives growth. Who's building his church? Jesus is building his church. Who makes us fishers of people? Jesus does as we follow him. That's kind of liberating, isn't it? All of those of us think, oh, crumbs, you know, telling people about Jesus, that's tough. Don't want to do that. That's embarrassing. She's saying, no, I'll help you. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm at work in you. That's the point. So what are we going to kind of learn from this then? What about us? The vision is to be growing outwards. It's first of all, it's, it's simple, really. It's part of what we are as believers. How's it going to happen? Well, it's not that complicated, is it? What have we said? Growth is what God does. Just remember that. Let's work with that. Let's embrace that truth and, and live it. Expect to see God doing things. How does he do it? He does it through the gospel, which is like this word that's alive. So you could bring someone to the Mark drama if you want. Hope you can. Uh, invite them anyway. If they don't come, they don't come, you know. But invite them. And, you know, a kind of bomb gets dropped in a nice way in their hearts as they see the story. The whole of Mark's gospel. Well, there it is in an hour and a half. It's a great way. He does it through the gospel. The word is alive. And so we can be confident to share it because it bears fruit and it grows. And we can be confident to look for God to be at work because he's the one that makes things grow. Wherever we are, and he does it through people like us. People like us who go, go into life as we follow him. As we go, we're agents of that growth. And there's no limit. We go wherever he takes us. Now, that might be here. It might be coming on a Thursday or something. It might be where you are at work or at college or at school. But hey, you know, there's no limit to it, as some of the people here will testify. It might take you to Lebanon, like it did Louise in her life. It might take you to Central Asia. Jesus might take you there, just as uh, George and Corinne and their family will be returning, we trust, in time. We go with him, with the gospel, a word that's like a seed, and we're in this together. So as George and Corinne and their family go to Central Asia next year, we're part of it too. As Alison, in, in her part of Central Asia, runs her business and worships in her church and, and suffers along with some of those guys, we pray for her. Alison's another of our, our global partners that, that's in another part of the world, growing. That's how we want to be growing outwards into the whole world. As we pray and give and, and get more involved with a, a little church community or a series of churches in Bangladesh who are reaching out into their local villages, helping them get ready for floods, we're involved in that. It's part of what we do. It's part of how we grow outwards together. There's a lot more we can do here. Or if we can be, there's an island in the uh, Indian Ocean where one of our church members is. There's about 30,000 people, most of them African Muslims, hardly any believers at all. And, and as she's there living and praying and translating the Bible, we're praying, we're part of it. We're in it together in this. There's the Perry family in France, nurture students to grow as believers. We're in that too, 
Why? Because that's the process they've been through. It's the same journey we're on. Location matters. That's, that's incidental, really. There's no big deal about being in Lebanon or some Indian Island Ocean or whatever. I mean, it is a big deal and it's a big thing to do. But kind of spiritually, it's the same journey expressed in a different place. That's all it is. If God calls you into something like that, let us know. Because we want to be with you in that journey. If you're part of the fellowship here, we can send you and support you. And go on that journey with you. And what about here? We need each other. We grow outwards together. Remember what Jesus said. Have I got time? I think have I got time. Have I got another three minutes, Margaret? Okay. Remember Jesus said, I will make you fish for people. Remember that? So how were they fishing, those people? Come on, shout it out. Nets, yeah. They weren't fishing with uh, lines. They were using nets. Now, I haven't got a net, so I was going to look for one. But I've got a sheet here, so it's a bit like a net. I was going to draw little lines on it in felt-tip pen, but I thought Mary wouldn't appreciate that. So, <laughs> so here we are. Here's, here I am with my, with my net. How am I going to... How do you fish with a net? You throw it away, but can I do it on my own? bit tricky. Let's have some help. Come on, anyone want to come and help me with my net? Imagine there's fish on the ground here. We could be on the boat. We could be on the shore. Yeah, come on. Don't be shy. Thank you, Heather. Alan, great, okay, excellent. That's, that's, I don't know how we do it. I think we can come up here on the stage with me just to kind of demonstrate it. We're not, yeah, so, well, I suppose we'd all take a bit of it, wouldn't we? And it would, we, we kind of cast it over and then we kind of pull it, I suppose we pull it in somehow and then pull it up together. Thanks, that'll do. <laughs> Thank you very much. What's that got to do with us being fishers of people? Well, look, fishing with nets, you need others with you. You do it together. We're together in this. It's not one person on your own on a line with a line on the beach. And on another occasion, Jesus showed them very clearly that, especially if you want to catch a lot of fish, (laughs) you need help. When he called those fishermen, he called a couple of brothers who worked together. The, the moment he said, I will fish, you will fit, make you fishers of people. He wasn't saying to Peter, you're going to be great with a line, Peter. He's saying, your way of fishing is going to become kind of spiritual. And those other two, the other two brothers got involved in it as well. And I just want to leave us with that picture here. Whether it's in the community projects like Open Door, we've heard about the Breakfast Club or, or Pod whether it's in your CU context or your place in your college at school, whether it's your neighborhood, you know, it's just a real joy as we work with other people. We're in it together. We can fish together on our other front lines. It's how it works with nets. So, where does this vision come from? It's from God's word. So, you know, to be wanting to grow outwards, it's not some wild idea. It's just simply what Jesus promised we would be and do as we're part of it together. So it's a vision. Do you see it? Can you see what it is yet, I suppose, he used to say? So shall we get on with it then? 
Let me end with a final question. Some of us, you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure about all of this. But the question perhaps for you is, well, has the gospel started growing and bearing fruit in your life yet? We've been thinking about how God does things. And sometimes we we know God does unusual things in our lives. And and maybe this this kind of message or or your experience of of what you've seen of Jesus in other people is, is kind of itching in your heart, as it were. And you're thinking, what's all this about? I'd love to know more. Well, Alpha is a great place to learn more. Um, and Louise at the back, uh, she'll be, will you be around afterwards, Lou? Uh, talk to Lou and she'll sign you up. We had the introductory Alpha this week and there's room for more people to come. It'd be great, actually. It'd be nice if a few more people did come. So if, you know, just come along and try it and see how it gets on, how you get on. Or if you want to meet up and talk with, with uh, myself or one of the other members of staff in the week or whatever, that's be, you know, just get in touch, email us, and we'll meet you and have a chat. Wherever we're at, we want the name of Jesus to be honored in our lives, don't we? We want to be growing outwardly with him wherever we are. And if you've not got to that first step, well, why not just ask him? Maybe pray with somebody, as I say, or come to the Mark Drama for sure on on, uh, Saturday night. Get involved. Just keep following. Don't ignore God speaking to you. Because he does speak to us. Lots of us will know that. Don't just blank it out with white noise, but follow his lead. One way, as I say, is to pray with somebody afterwards if you want to. There'll be people here or get involved in Alpha or come to the Mark drama, but stick with us. And for all of us, let's be asking God, looking for the ways that God might be at work in our kind of context as we want to be growing outward. Let's pray as the musicians come up. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the fact that we don't have to dream up some crazy uh, vision or some kind of uh, uh, change the world by ourselves type of plan because, Lord, you've given us a plan that involves changing the world in a simple way. As ordinary people like us are used by you as we live and share that living, growing gospel and as you work, sometimes in spectacular, extraordinary ways that we know about, Sometimes we don't know about the way, those ways. Sometimes it's just ordinary ways. But we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who works. And we want to be in a place as your people to be agents of growth in an outward direction. We do pray for our global partners today. We pray that as they, some of them in lonely, difficult places, just stand for you. We want to kind of, we can't be there holding the net with them, but we do want to be kind of holding it in prayer we lift them up so we thank you lord and we pray that this this vision won't just be a nice idea but that we'll see it coming into reality through us as your people and we can only do that lord as you do it by your spirit to glorify the lord jesus in his name we pray amen